Well, uh, today we are uh, ordaining some new deacons prior to going into the uh, Lord's uh, Supper. Uh, here at Edgewood, uh, we have two primary uh, church offices. We have the office of elder. Uh, we have five elders here at Edgewood, and the responsibility of the elders is to feed, uh, protect, and lead the church. And then the uh, deacon body, uh, they are to serve. They're to come along the side of the elders to assist in uh, practical ministry uh, that we can be free to focus on uh, ministry of the word and prayer. And so our deacons here at Edgewood, uh, they get their hands dirty. Uh, these are men that are servants and that get involved in many, many different practical ways. We break our team, uh, we break our deacons into ministry teams, uh, that, whether it's building and grounds, whether it's benevolence or different areas where they get involved and, uh, and in many other ways. Uh, before we ordain the new deacons, we also have a couple of men that have been ordained, ordained and active in the past that are coming back on as active deacons. Uh, Randy, stand up, Randy. Is Randy, uh, Lori, stand up. This is his wife, Lori. So we're great to have uh, Randy and uh, Lori uh, back, back with us. Randy is the, what's your title, regional director, manager, regional manager of uh, all the publics uh, in, uh, in this entire region, not just this area, but a very large area he, he, he covers. And then uh, where's Jack and uh, Carolyn, Jack Jordan? Jack, stand up. I guess Carolyn must be downstairs in the nursery, but this is Jack uh, Jordan, who is uh, as big a servant as I know. Uh, he has served in so many ways. Uh, I'll never forget his uh, years of service down in the nursery. Uh, they would give him the unmanageable ones, and uh, he just had a knack with those uh, those little ones. But we uh, love Jack, and we love Carolyn, and glad to have Jack back on. So thank you, Jack. Well, let me uh, first introduce the uh, four uh, candidates that we will be ordaining uh, this morning. Uh, since we're doing it in this service, we're having the Lord's Supper, we just don't have the time for each of these men to share. But what I'm going to do uh, over the next couple of months, I will have each of these men share a testimony in a future Sunday morning service. So you'll get to hear from them and get to know them a little bit better. Uh, but let me introduce them uh, to you and then what will happen after that. Uh, Dr. Adams, one of the elders here at our church, a former chairman of our deacons. How many years did you serve as a deacon? Do you even know? it? hundred years, right, Alan? Uh, so uh, uh, he's going to come, and he'll give the charge directly to these candidates, uh, what God has called them to do, and just encourage them to uh, step to the plate and fulfill their calling. And then uh, uh, Terry Hathaway will come behind him, and he'll give a charge to the church on how we're to uh, love these men, support these men, pray uh, for these men. Uh, so let me introduce them to you before I do that. Let me dismiss our boys and girls for children's church. They're wondering, Brother Andy, Brother Andy, you forgot, you forgot us, you forgot us. And if we have guests and you have children, they're more than welcome to participate. Simply release your child. Uh, our minister of education and James, our administrator, they are there uh, to get the children, take them below us for children's church. Well, let me uh, introduce the men. I'll bring them up one at a time. Uh, at the conclusion of the ordination portion of this service, I will uh, bring their wives up as well so that you can uh, 
put uh, these men with their uh, uh, the lovely wife that God has provided. Uh, first is uh, Rob Kennedy. Rob, come on up. Uh, what a joy to have uh, Rob on as a uh, deacon now. Uh, Rob is married to Michelle. Uh, they have uh, five children. They're, they're after me and Kathy. Right, Rob? <laughs> and uh, uh, Rob has uh, been 21 years uh, service in the United States Army. He is a lieutenant colonel and uh, gotten very active here at the church. He is this wonderful lieutenant colonel. He is our Awana commander. So uh, he has uh, he has dual rank with the United States Army and our Awana ministry here here at Edgewood, and then uh, we have uh, Keith Keith Culifer and uh, his wife uh, Lorraine, and you'll be able to meet again all these wives a little bit later. Uh, they have three children, and all three of the children are here, right? All three. And that's a joy that uh, he has all three of his children uh, uh, with him. Uh, Oh, Keith has gotten involved in a lot of ways. Really have appreciated recently. He's involved in our after-school tutoring uh, program, and he's been a wonderful blessing there uh, with the uh, children. Uh, he uh, uh, a regular uh, member of our prayer breakfast, and he's our resident beekeeper. Uh, how many hives do you maintain? Is it seven? Fourteen. Fourteen. They maintain him. He said it is hard work. I've. Uh, I've, had, I've had some of the most fascinating discussions I've ever had with Keith about maintaining beehives. It is just, it's just wonderful, uh, uh, it's just, and it's just enlightening. So uh, he enjoys talking about his bees, so uh, you're welcome to ask him some questions. And then Jeremiah Means, here's Jeremiah, his dear wife Ashley. They have uh, uh, two children. Uh, I think just about all of you all know Jeremiah's story. This is special for our church family uh, that he's here. We thought we were going to lose Jeremiah several years back. Remember, he was just uh, full of health, robust, uh, nurse. Uh, you were in the reserves, right? Going full-time into the service and then uh, uh, had this uh, tragic uh, medical condition uh, that uh, occurred as a result of multiple vaccinations that he was had to take in terms of getting into the Army. And uh, God has... Uh, done a wonderful work in his life. He has a wonderful heart. He served in, with youth in a lot of different areas in the church. His wife is very active, involved in the preschool area, and it's a joy to have uh, Jeremiah. And then the last candidate is Bobby, Bobby Traboni, his wife Susan. They have two, of course, uh, adult uh, children, a pharmacist. Uh, he uh, also is very involved in the after-school program. He has uh, one of our best tutors that we have, and also teaches Bible in our after-school tutoring program, and he has been uh, teaching uh, one of our adult Sunday school classes for how many years now, Bobby? Ten years, ten years he's been teaching a Sunday school class, and so we really uh, appreciate uh, Bobby. So uh, these are four candidates, Rob, uh, Keith, uh, Jeremiah, and Bobby, and so men, we'll let you uh, sit. And then, Alan, I'll invite you to come up if you will give the charge to these men. You can sit right there next to Eddie. You can hold it if you want. And I want you to know that I consider this uh, quite an honor to be able to charge you because I know each one of you, and it's not counting, this is a precious time. 
I can empathize with where you are because I spent so many years there serving and being chair of the deacons. And it's a, it's a precious. I've learned a great deal through those years. And God has blessed me. I want to remind you of, uh, and the church of uh, those qualifications that you have to exhibit in order to be uh, qualified to become a deacon. One of them is a man of dignity. Uh, and this goes hand in hand with another characteristic of man to blame. So the Lord means you can't lay a glove on it. And that doesn't mean these men are perfect, but it means they don't have any outside unresolved problems that they've not made every effort they can to resolve and to, and to make right. And so they present themselves with that in mind. Also, uh, they're not double-tongued, meaning when they speak something, you can depend on what they say. They're not going to format their their interchange with you in order to appeal to a certain group. Uh, in other words, they're going to speak the truth. They'll speak the truth in love. So they're not addicted to much wine. And the evidence of this is the fact that uh, not only does not wine not control them, uh, but neither do they share their allegiance with any other type of addiction, if you will. Nothing divides their mind from the person of Christ. And he is central in their lives and controls everything in their lives. Uh, they're not fond of sordid gain. They're not seeking these positions just for their own uh, profit or their own benefit or their own uh, ability to use that as a lever for some means. Uh, their sole desire to be here is, is to serve Christ and to be a servant. The word deacon literally means to kick up the dust. And uh, these are the guys that we oftentimes, uh, we're the ones cleaning up downstairs after the socials. We're the ones putting the tables down. We're the ones doing those various things, the cooking and what have you. And it's a wonderful, wonderful calling without a doubt. The, another qualification of these men is they says they hold fast to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. That means these men are doctrinally sound. They know the truth of the scriptures, and they know how to apply that both to their own lives and that of their families. Uh, it also says that they are blameless, of course, and the husband of one wife. Uh, the essence of this is, is they're a one-woman man. They are faithful men, and this is important. Uh, it also says that they manage their own households well. Now, the essence of that is, is because how can they be entrusted in a leadership position uh, when they have an evidence that in, among their own family. And so uh, this, the fact that he's a faithful man in his family means he cherishes his wife. He loves his wife. He dedicates himself to providing for her, to seeing after every need. Uh, we recognize these qualifications are what we look for in the church body when we name a man to be considered as a deacon. And that's, these same qualifications are the ones that we test each individual candidate for. We've tested each man here for those qualifications to be sure they qualify. And what this does, it simply describes a man who is a moral man, a man of character, a man who loves God, and a man who knows how to provide for his household well. Because you remember, the church is called the bride of Christ. And the essence of it is, men, is we have been charged with loving caring for and serving uh, the bride of Christ when we serve this body. So we don't do this for being to be lauded. We don't do this in order to be uh, remembered of what, in the sense that you're talking about uh, claiming anything. The essence of it is we have our reward when we function in the way that God's called us to function. We've demonstrated the fidelity he's called us to, to demonstrate. And so I charge you in the presence of these witnesses 
that you will fulfill these particular qualifications. Live like you've been described in these qualifications and carry that out, not only with respect to your own families, but also with respect to this church body. Be a loving group. Be a group that is sensitive to the needy, to those who are, are, are handicapped or shut-ins, and, and, and just do what God has called us to do in his word. Be familiar with his word and apply his word. We can only be familiar if we read it, we study it, we apply it. And I would share with you that we join hands as brothers, as services, deacons, and we also uh, help one another. There's going to be those situations that will arise that are bigger than you have the capability of dealing with. That means we call on one another to assist you in dealing with that. There will be questions that arise that you won't readily have the answers to always. But you are the liaison, the primary liaison between the church body and the elders. And so we depend heavily on you and your feedback when there's a, a struggle or a problem to deal with and you, you call on us. And we can address those problems better that way. So I simply charge you today to love this body as you love your own family and as you love God as a reflection of the love of Christ to this body and to be sensitive to the needs around you. You'll have assigned duties without a doubt. But what I'm saying is if you meet those situations where you can be of service in the intermediate period, not where you're necessarily stationed to call to, to serve, uh, that we are quick to meet those needs and be sensitive wherever that need is evidenced. So, men, I consider it an honor to join with you this day and join hands and hearts with you as we serve together this body of Christ out of love. Thank you. Good morning, Edgewood Baptist Church. Um, the new deacons have been charged, uh, but there's another charge, and that's the charge for the, uh, thank you. Thank you, Marshall. Um, I want to focus on two areas uh, in the church in this charge for uh, the church and related to deacons. One is prayer, and the second one is to emulate the deacons in ministry, to follow them in ministry. First, a prayer. Uh, praying for the new deacons and the current deacons and all of the leadership. That's number one. And then First um, uh, Thessalonians 5 says, uh, and this was written to the church, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to that which is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you, who is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Two times in that passage, Paul instructs the church uh, to pray. One for the church to pray for themselves, and the other to pray for leadership. So that's one of the charges. Now in Acts 12, and this is, this is interesting, uh, uh, Peter, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. And you remember an angel of God came in and uh, dropped the chains away from him and delivered him from prison. Now that, that's dramatic. Uh, but there's another uh, dramatic part of praying for the deacons, and that's related to their obedience to God, submission, accountability, and protection. Um, 
Remember now, when you're doing the Lord's work, and most of you know this, there is spiritual warfare going on. So please remember to pray. And again, as for the obedience to God, submission to God, pray for God's protection and for their accountability. And, and please, not only for the, these uh, new deacons, but also for all the deacons, for the uh, associate pastors, the pastor, and, and the elders as well. Um, Hebrews 13 says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would not be of any benefit to anyone. Pray for us we are sure that we have a so that we are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably uh, in every way. Um, now, the second charge to the church is following the deacons in ministry. Philippians one says, uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, uh, to all of God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God for you and with every remembrance. So deacons are servants to Christ Jesus. Uh, God's holy people are servants as well. We cannot forget that. Uh, a servant is to be in ministry. Uh, the deacons serve and to be in ministry as well. But God's work is not just for deacons. It's for the entire church to do uh, also. So the charge to the church is to follow your deacons uh, in ministry. Honor the deacons in their work and the Lord's ministry, and there's been so many that's been verbalized here. Uh, and a great example of that uh, coming up is love indeed. Uh, that's, that'll be here in two weeks, and every one of the deacons are involved in that ministry area, and they're working with the Sunday school classes. And many of you are already working there, uh, but you have an opportunity to come along their side. Now, that's not the only ministry in this church, obviously. That's for a two-week period of time or a one-week period of time. So there's plenty of other ministry opportunities for you. So honor them uh, and come alongside them and, and work with them in ministry. Um, and, you know, there's imitation, there's emulation, there's matching up with uh, the deacon. Now, their life is, is bound in Christ. Uh, as our life should be bound in Christ, and we're all servants. Um, and, and so they need your prayer, and they need, your, um, uh, they need you to follow them. Remember, pray for their obedience to God and emulate that, their submission to God and follow that, for their accountability and, and imitate that, and pray God's protection on the deacons and for this church. Now, I'd like to pray scripture. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you, who is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Amen. Scripture says that men are first to be tested and then let them serve as deacons if they are above reproach. And as you have uh, already heard, we have tested these men. Uh, we believe they uh, meet the qualifications and it is our joy this morning uh, to ordain them in the, uh, as they get involved in their ministry. So let me once again ask the four men, if you would just come right here to the front. I'm going to ask all the deacons 
uh, and the elders, if you would surround these men. Men, just step out a little bit more from the uh, communion table so they can get around you. And let me, uh, before I pray, I'll lead the prayer of ordination. Uh, what is the laying on of hands? It's something you see both in the Old and the New Testament, but just put it in very simple terms. Uh, when we lay our hands on these men, we are simply saying that we are uh, identifying uh, and affirming God's call on their lives. It's God who calls. It's just for us to identify and affirm that. And then also, not only identifying and affirming God's call on their lives, but the act of laying on the hands is literally setting these men aside in a very unique, extraordinary way to be used by God. Uh, we're, in this act, we are surrendering them uh, to be vessels, uh, to be filled by God uh, for the purpose of serving this uh, church family. And they can only accomplish that through God's grace and through His empowerment. And so that's what we're asking for. So uh, you'll notice we have kneelers on the uh, back of our pews. If you're physically able, I have you guys remain standing. Lay your hands on them. But everyone else, if you're physically able, will you take the kneelers down and get on your knees before God as I lead the ordination prayer? Father, what a wonderful joy this morning uh, to ordain into the service of the deacon ministry uh, Rob and uh, Keith and Jeremiah and uh, Bobby. Um, Father, I pray you would give them the grace uh, to emulate uh, their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who although he was equal with you, he did not consider that equality something to selfishly grasp. But Jesus emptied himself, taking upon himself the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Lord, these men are Christ followers. So give them grace now uh, to lay aside their self-interest, uh, to serve and promote your interest in and through this church family. Uh, Father, we pray that you would empower them uh, with a spirit of service, a spirit of ministry. I pray that you would empower and anoint them with an attentiveness to this church family that they would be very, very tender and sensitive to quickly see and respond uh, to needs. Again, not only in their assigned duties, but as Alan shared, uh, as they just spontaneously see opportunities uh, to kick up the dust and to rush to the need and to meet it. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would protect these men. We are very aware that we have an adversary who hates us, who will do anything he can do to disrupt, to divide, to distract, to destroy uh, the church family. So we pray that you would uh, guard these men from his subtle attacks 
that you would give them the grace to stand firm in their faith, equipped with the full armor of God, to resist our adversary firm in their faith, and even when necessary, to stand alone for you and always be found faithful. And then, Lord, continue to provide every need. Uh, bless these men uh, in their families as husbands, as fathers, as uh, grandfathers. And uh, we pray that uh, you would uh, always lead them to know your grace. So, Father, uh, as we set them aside now through the laying on of hands uh, to serve this church family as deacons, Father, we pray that you would grant Rob, that you would grant Keith, Jeremiah, and Bobby, you would grant each of these men, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with power through your Holy Spirit deep in their inner being. That they, being rooted and grounded in your love through faith in Jesus, would always know that reality of Christ dwelling in their hearts, Christ always having total control, Christ always being their master, and that they would have the joy to experience with the church family the length, depth, breadth, and height of the love of Jesus that surpasses anything that we can comprehend, yet can be the reality of our experience. And then, Lord, fill these men with your fullness. Remove any and everything from their lives that is not like Jesus. And fill them with Jesus, that they might fill this church with Jesus. And wherever you would take them. And now, Lord, we're going to trust you. We're going to believe you. Uh, we're not placing our confidence in our willingness and our ability, but your willingness and your ability. And so we're trusting now that you're going to do, through these four men and our entire deacon family, Randy and Jack as they come along, that you will uh, do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything that any one of us could even begin to ask, think, or pray for this morning. And that you'll do that according to your power that works in them, even that power that raised Jesus from the dead, and that you'll do it to the praise and the glory of your grace. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. We'll have the candidates remain. And it would be at this time, I'd like uh, if you wives could come stand beside your man. Hug your wife so that they know which one's yours. Okay, good. <laughs> of course, uh, Rob's wife is uh, Michelle. Uh, of course, Keith, Lorraine, Jeremiah, Ashley, and their two beautiful boys along with them. And uh, Bobby and his wonderful wife, uh, Suzanne, so uh, Susan. And uh, we just so appreciate uh, them. Uh, and uh, we know when a man serves as a deacon, uh, his 
In reality, his wife is a deaconess. <laughs> uh, our deacon wives are some of the greatest servants that, uh, that we have in this uh, church family. But I'm going to let uh, Dr. Adams award the, uh, the uh, ordination certificate to each of these men. Uh, first, uh, Rob Kennedy, and this would be a time for you to express your love to each of these men. Rob. And then to Keith Culifer. And what, again, a special moment this is, knowing where God has brought him through and what he's done for this family, Jeremiah Means. That's very special. And then Bobby Traboni. Well, men, thank you. We love you, you wives. We love you and uh, your families and... uh, and thank you for your service and our, and our love and prayers of the church family. We'll be with you and we'll let you be seated now. We do come to uh, share the Lord's uh, Supper today. And aren't these always special times? Um, And uh, we need to remember the exhortation of the Scripture. And the primary word that's related to the celebration of the Lord's Supper is the word remember. Uh, This is a time where you turn away from all other distractions. And you give Jesus Christ your undivided attention, your undying affection, and uncompromising allegiance in light of who he is and what he did for you. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin on your behalf, that you might be made what? The righteousness of God in him. What a truth. On the cross, God the Father punished his son as if he had lived your sinful life so that this morning he could treat you as if you had lived Christ's sinless life. That's the heart of the gospel right there, that exchange that has been made. And and folks, how can you reflect on, how can, as you reflect on that, how can you not have your passion for Christ reignited you know, it just, and, and that's the reason I believe that uh, we should regularly observe the Lord's Supper. It, it's a time to always bring us back to what is central and to see that passion reignited for Him uh, where we do give Him our affections. Often we give Jesus everything He wants except the one thing He wants most, and that's our hearts. That's our affection. Uh, that's our surrender. And so, I think of our Hebrew study, because of what Christ did through his death, uh, as he shed his blood for our sins. Remember, Hebrews 10 says, now we can what? Boldly come right into the presence of God. And when we come into God's presence, we come to a God who what? Sits on a throne of grace and mercy 
who is committed to give us help in our time of need. Amen? And what is our time of need? Every moment of every day. Uh, apart from His grace, it would be impossible uh, to live the Christian life, to live a life pleasing uh, to Him. And as we uh, saw a couple of weeks ago, remember that we said probably the best summary verse in the entire Bible uh, related to the new covenant that was cut through the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, where there's that commitment that He will never, as a result of what Christ did, if, you, if you're a child of God, you've placed your faith in Jesus, because of what Jesus did, God has sworn on the blood of His Son Jesus that He will never turn away from you, from doing you good. If they, how can we not shout about that? How can we not get happy about that? And as we mentioned, that means anything and everything that happens to you, God allows it for one of three reasons. And we shared this in our study. What? First reason is what? To bring you back to Him. If you've strayed, if you've fallen into sin, He may do what it takes to bring you back to Him. Or to keep you close to Him. Often He'll use trials to help you see just how dependent you are, just how desperate you are for Him. To create a hunger and a thirst to drive you to Him. And then what's the third reason? To take you into a deeper intimacy with Him. Like He did with Job, who was a righteous, blameless man who feared God. Yet God allowed that suffering, not because He hated Job, because He loved Job. And he wanted to take Job to a level of spiritual intimacy that Job could have never imagined possible. And that's exactly what happened if you've read the entire book of Job, especially that last uh, chapter. So we have a lot to be thankful for. But let me leave you with one verse. Such love demands that we what? Reciprocate. And it should not be so much motivated out of duty as much out of delight, sheer delight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us. If we truly understand what we're doing here and what we're celebrating, that love should control our lives. That one... And, and control, having concluded this, this is our conclusion, that one died for all. Who's the one? Jesus died for all. Therefore, all died. And he died for all. Why? He answers the question right here. So that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on what? Their behalf. Amen? So as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, let's worship. Let's honor our Savior. And of course, it's very, very obvious. How can you celebrate this supper with sin that's unconfessed? Sin that you have not forsaken? See, for a believer... To flirt or embrace sin is basically looking up into the face of Jesus and saying, I value my sin more than I value you. 
And that not only hurts him, grieves him, that should grieve and hurt us. We should become broken in terms of our repentance. So we want to make sure that we allow God right now to examine our lives. We walk right into that Holy of Holies, into His glorious light. And we say, Lord, let it shine. Lord, search me. Try me. See if there's any evil or hurtful way in me. Any, Lord, point out any way that I've offended you, that I've grieved you, so that as I come partake of this Lord's Supper, I can know there's nothing right now between me and you that I have not confessed. And then as you come, renew your surrender as we just read from 2 Corinthians. Present yourself as a living sacrifice to submit to His authority, to serve His agenda, and to seek His approval. As Andy shared at the very beginning of the service, it is not about us, it's about Him. God is not our means to accomplish our ends. We are God's means to achieve His ends. So we should come in total abandonment and worship Him as living sacrifices. Father, thank You for the body of Jesus that bore our sins on Calvary's cross. Thank you for his blood that was shed, that paid the penalty of our sin. And thank you that the grave could not hold him because he was a sinless sacrifice who went as our substitute. And thank you that he's alive. That he's the host of this table. And Lord, we come to this table to honor you. To worship you. So we invite you now to manifest your presence. We know you're here. We know you dwell in the hearts of your people. But Lord, manifest your presence. Let us feel your love. Draw us to deeper depths of surrender than we've ever known before as we would see that you truly are worthy of the presentation of our lives to be living and holy sacrifices to serve your purposes. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.